I'm Rich Bailey. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, do pastoral care, head up the men's ministry, and, and things like that. And it's just my joy to come and uh, share a little bit of God's word with you this morning. You know, how many of you were able to uh, get your yard work done yesterday before the rain came? How many of you? Yeah, a few of you. I am so thankful I was able to do that myself. And uh, I, I, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Now, when we lived in Erie, uh, we had a, a normal size yard. Uh, when we lived in New York, uh, our yard was about an acre and a half, two acres. And uh, so I just love doing the yard. It is fun. Uh, one of our neighbors here, uh, a few weeks ago, as I was out doing what I do, he comes over and he goes, you do a lot of tinkering. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was working on my weed whacker at the time. And so, anyways, you know, you do a lot of tinkering. And I, I don't know if I do a lot of tinkering. I do a lot of stuff. I do. And uh, tinkering, I, I kind of leave for other people to do. Uh, when, I, when Diane and I first got married and we bought our first house, um, it had an upstairs bath. Uh, how many of you have upstairs baths? Yeah. Joyce, it began leaking. And I want you to know that just because I was husband, uh, somehow Diane thought that I was gifted as plumber. And so I went up to start tinkering, doing the best I could. And uh, about three weeks later, the ceiling came down in the living room. Uh, because my tinkering didn't work so good. Tinkering. It's an interesting concept, tinkering. I just wonder if sometimes we could, I know I could, be guilty of just tinkering with our relationship with Christ rather than doing. How well do we reveal how much we appreciate what Christ has done for us? How consistent are we in that? How intentional are we in that? How much does our identity as a child of God get revealed? in this world. I remember reading a story of a little guy by the name of Mark, and it's a true story. And at the time he was 11, he's now in his early 40s, and uh, little Mark lost both of his parents tragically at the age of eight. And uh, he was now living with an aunt who had had a very, very hard life. And the aunt didn't have any children, and Mark was that first one. And, you know, she just didn't quite know how to love him, encourage him. You know, she would just kind of constantly remind him that without her, he would have nothing. He'd be out on the street. He'd be an orphan and things like that. And little Mark decided that he was going to just start doing things around the house just to 
and just to please his aunt. And somehow that didn't even work. You know, the aunt couldn't see anything that was done well within that or her way. And young Mark started sixth grade that year. And uh, his sixth grade teacher had, uh, well, almost 30 students, and so it was a larger class, but yet something about Mark just stood out to her. Not she did anything specifically uh, with him, but decided to just uh, let him know how much she appreciated him. And soon, beginning of October, Mark is staying after school. And he's just very quietly picking up the classroom, straightening up desks. And so he and the teacher for an hour, often in total quietness, would just tidy up the room. And she was just enjoying that quiet time of Mark doing his thing and her just sharing, thank you. Got into early November, and early November, Mark stopped showing up. One week went by, and the second week went by, and so finally his teacher just said, Mark, Mark, I, I just want you to know I truly miss you staying after school. And the words that came out of Mark's mouth resonated in his teacher's heart, the reason for the article that I was reading. And the words were this. Did you really miss me? John chapter 13 reveals to you and I the tremendous heart of God. And I would just like to challenge us today, how much do we appreciate the heart of God? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you again for your goodness to us. Lord, as we dive into your word, though it's a familiar passage to many, I pray that it would be fresh for each and every one of us. Father, that you would guide and direct in a profound way and that your spirit would have free reign in all of our hearts here today for your glory and your glory alone. Radically change us. Encourage us. Grow us in your grace profoundly because this world needs your children to be vibrantly alive in your love. Thank you again for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. John chapter 13. Appreciating the heart of God. First, let's look at the Lord's love. Verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
Uh, the love of Christ. You know, he, he loved them for the three and a half years. He walked with the disciples. He loved all those that, that followed around him. And now he knows that that time is imminent where he is going to go to the cross and he will ascend to the Father. And, and Scripture tells us that he loved them to the very end. And I want you to know that has not stopped for you and I if you and I are disciples of the true and living God, guess what? He's going to love us right to the very end. You know, whether I go through the veil of death or get raptured home, whichever way it works, he's going to love me to the very end. Do you believe that as a child of God today? I want you to know that that ought to excite our souls and build a fire in our furnace for all the things that are God. Yeah, I was reminded as I was going through this, a passage of scripture that the Lord had used in my life uh, to bring me to himself. And I want you to know I haven't quite made the halfway mark in my life as far as years without Christ and years with Christ. But in Romans chapter 5, and if you would turn there in your Bibles or dial in there on your phones or your iPads, but Romans chapter 5 says something wonderful concerning this love that you and I have experienced. Go down to verse 6. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely would a righteous man, for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For even when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. That changed relationship, the Lord's love, he loved them to the very end. He knew he was going to go to the cross for them. He did go to the cross for you and I. Such unconditional, wonderful love. And I don't know about you, I know I was far away from God. And... Coming to Christ radically changed my life. And all that he has given us, it will never end. He will love us. And he does love us. We all love Romans chapter 8. Absolutely, positively, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. You know, the reality of that, nothing created that is, or will yet come to be, nothing will separate us from the love of God to those who are in Christ Jesus. What a blessed promise. You know, a good illustration of that, and I love the emperor penguin, and I know some of you who are at the men's retreat have already heard this, but I love that emperor penguin. It just reveals us so wonderfully. Now, the emperor penguins, they, they mate for life, and 
how God has wired them, they trek inland on the Antarctic ice, about 60 miles inland, for the female to bring forth the egg. And that egg balances ever so gently on her webbed feet, and she protects it with her belly for a little while, but she has expended so much energy in producing that egg that she's got to get back to the ocean to eat, to survive. And so she very gently passes that egg off her little web feet onto her mate's web feet, and he's been chowing down big time, and he's got a great case of Dunlop's disease, and his belly just flops over that egg to keep it warm. And she books. She heads back to the ocean to eat, to survive. And those male penguins who are now entrusted with this egg in 60 degree below zero wind chills begin marching around in circles from the outside in to the inside out so that they only spend one time on the outer circle where it's the coldest. And they do this day and night, 60 to 70 days. Now, if ever that egg depended totally on dad, it's now. If anything cold touches that, it shatters immediately. Anything at all. Let me ask this question. Will your heavenly father or my heavenly father ever drop us? Oh, come on. Food isn't for about 45 minutes. Come on. (laughs) Will your heavenly father or my heavenly father ever drop us? No. He wants us to abide in him. You and I can choose to jump. How foolish will that be? (laughs) But how many times have we done that? He will love us to the end. He loved them to the very end. The Lord's love. John chapter 15, just a few pages from ahead, says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another the same way as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Then they lay down one's life for their friends. The Lord's love. If you haven't entered into the love of Christ through the blood of Christ and the wonders of salvation, don't leave this place today without it. New adventure begins. A new excitement. A new joy. A joy that you've never experienced before. Now let's look at the Lord's example. Notice what follows, starting in verse 2. And supper being ended, and the devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. The Lord's example, humble service. He washed their feet. I want you to picture this. In that, in that culture in that day, they wore sandals all the time. The roads were dusty and natty and dirty. And uh, if it rained there like the monsoon season here, I imagine a little bit muddy. And it was a, a thing of honor for you to have guests to come in and have your servant wash their feet. And this hadn't been done that day. And so our Lord, the very creator of the universe the Holy One of God who is about to give his life on the cross, Christ, the Messiah, decides to put off his garments and just very humbly fill that basin with water and get down. They weren't sitting in chairs like you and get down with that basin of water and come and place the feet of the disciples in and wash them and take that towel and dry them. Slide that basin over to the next disciple and wash humble glorious service by the creator savior wow I'm mindful of what scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow to those in heaven, to those on earth, and to those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Humble service. He is that example When I think of Hebrews 12 where it says that for joy he endured the cross, I'm boggled with awe that my God would do that for me so that I could have a right relationship with him and God the Father. If you and I are truly in awe of all that God's given us in the wonders of salvation, humble service ought to be a way of life. I think of what Paul shared with the folks in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Ah, for all of the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, later on in Galatians 6, he says, Therefore, as you and I have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Humble service. 
serving our God because we truly see of all that we've experienced in the wonders of salvation through the Son on the cross. The Lord's love, the Lord's example. The third thing I want us to hear this morning is the Lord's message. Notice this interaction between Simon Peter and the Lord. Start with verse 6. Notice what it says. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I pause there for a moment. He is being a little indignant, like, oh, wait a minute. I know the tables are turned, and uh, are you really going to wash my feet? Hmm. Notice what the Lord says to him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. I love the Lord's patience. He goes, Peter, you don't understand it all right now, but just give me a moment. Let me finish. You'll realize what's happening here. Can, Can you just give me a moment? Just be a little patient in what I'm doing. Now, all of God's people love learning patience, right? Notice what Peter does. Peter then speaks without thinking, I think. Verse 8, Peter said unto him, You will never wash my feet. And the Lord teaches him something. He says, If I do not wash you, you will have no part in me. Whoa. The Lord's message is a message of forgiveness. And it starts with salvation. I don't know about you, but I had to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. I could not earn a right right standing with God. And if I'm not washed, God has no part with me and I have no part with him. Hmm. His message is a message of forgiveness. Listen to what Paul wrote to the folks in Corinth. Do you not know that the unrighteousness that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be de- de- do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know about you, I'm listed there of what I was before Christ, and I now know I am set apart to the holiness of God in Christ because I've been washed. Peter had to hear that afresh. And I truly believe this. See, Judas Iscariot hasn't left yet. And I'm confident that he, Christ, has already washed Judas's feet before he gets to Peter to hear this conversation. You need to be washed. Notice what Peter says. He gets all excited. He says, Lord... Oh, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, Lord, give me a shower, a bath, everything, you know. 
And he gets accepted because I want to have a part with you. I yearn to be connected to you in everything. And the Lord corrects his thinking, just massages it a little bit. Verse 10, he says, Jesus said unto him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, all of the disciples. In other words, he's, he's just reminding him, every now and then we blow it. We sin. And we need to confess that sin again to our great God and repent of it and be broken again before God so that we can be restored anew, afresh. We all love 1 John 1, 9, which says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The joy of being able to abide in Christ through the righteousness of Christ, which he has given us in the Lord. The Lord's message is a message of forgiveness. Matter of fact, Peter goes on to write these words. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as you and I did in our ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, for it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout time of your stay here in fear, knowing knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, receiving the tradition of your fathers, but the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. Peter got it. Peter got it. The wonders of salvation that he has in Christ. He wrote about it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to share it with you and I today. The joy of forgiveness. The reality that we need to receive it. The reality that we need to give it. You know, sometimes in the body of Christ, (laughs) we can be our own worst enemies. You know, somebody can just throw a grenade at our feet. You know? I have had the unfortunate experience of experiencing uh, church splits and all of those things. God did not design life to be that way. But for you and I to be able to forgive one another, Colossians shares this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, even if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you so must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Forgiveness, the joy of forgiveness, learning how to forgive others. Mm, God's way, with the same value, intent, and the wonder. It is that kind of message that he is sharing. Ah, the Lord's love, the Lord's example, the Lord's message. Last but not least, 
Let's look at the Lord's exhortation, verses 12 and following. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Forgiveness. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. His exhortation is, do the same thing. Follow my example. Remind people that my love will never, ever end. And you and I in eternity will spend eternity in the center of God's heart and love and worship and praise. This life is but short time, and let's humbly serve one another. We have a great chance soon with Project Nehemiah. I believe there's other opportunities where here at RMC we're going to see the opportunity just to explode right in front of us where we can minister in a profound way. We are a large church. Don't get lost in it. Get connected some way, somehow through all the Bible studies that we offer, through the school of discipleship, through all of the home Bible studies that we have. Get connected. Come alongside of your brothers and minister and serve because guess what? In our midst, there are people hurting that are challenged and they need their brother or sister in Christ to come alongside of them. Oh, little Mark. He never did show up again to help his teacher. And it's the last day before Christmas. And he leaves the room, but he comes back in at the end of the day and he has his little hands behind him and he goes, I, I have a Christmas gift for you. And the teacher goes, oh, what is it? And he goes, I want you to know that my daddy taught me how to carve, and so I have carved for you this little wooden box. And the teacher takes it from his hands, and she goes, oh, it's so beautiful. What's in it? And the little boy goes, nothing. My mama also said that the greatest thing on earth is something you can't see. And the teacher goes, what's that? And he goes, love. I filled it with my love. The first great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every fiber of our being that's all God yearns for in return. And are you and I doing that? Are we looking for the very next thing that we can do to bring glory to our God? Casting Crowns sings a beautiful song just about that called The Very Next Thing. Will you read the words? as we listen to that song, please.
please. I spend all my time dreaming what the future's gonna bring. And all of this time, there's a world passing by right in front of me. Set my sights on tomorrow. Well, I'm tripping over today. Who says big things are somewhere off in the distance? I don't want to look back just to see all the times that I missed it. I want to be here and now, starting right here, right now. With the very next words of love to be spoken. Praise to you. Let my very next step be on a road that was planned by you. Lord, wherever you're leading me, that's where I wanna be. With the very next words of love to be spoken, to the very next heart shattered and broken. about you, but I'm tired of watching the world go by and not doing anything about it when God has called you and I to be servants of the true and living God. And I want you to know that I want my eyes wide open and I want to see him working in our community, in our church in a very profound way, in our families to where he's radically making a difference for his glory and his glory alone. 
people want us to believe that this this country is beyond help. And I want you to know that it is not beyond a revival that God can bring. And it has to come through you and I. I don't want to be caught watching. People ask me often, how much longer are you going to continue to do this, Rich? And I'll tell you right now, as long as I have the strength, as long as I have the breath, I want to serve my true and living God, my Savior in a profound way, and do those things and see him work expectantly. You and I need to be intentional in our walk with God. We need to live expectantly because he can and desires to do great things in your heart my heart and through you and through me the question is are we going to get the message here and live it for his glory and his glory alone so are you forgiven are you forgiving are you looking to serve Are you truly humbled by God's great love? God knows all of our hearts. Let's yield it to him today. Let's stand and pray. Our Father and our God, you know where we are at in our relationship with you. Father, if there's one here today who has never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray as the ministry teams come up on the sides that they would come forward and say, I want to trust Christ. I want to enter this great adventure of being a Christian. Oh, Father, maybe there's some here that are just stalled, sidetracked by the circumstances of life. Might they come forward asking for prayer just for the strength to walk through the next day for your glory. Maybe there's some that are sidetracked by their own sin and selfishness. Oh, Father, might they repent brokenhearted before you. Oh, Father, meet with us in a great way. Might your spirit work dynamically in our hearts and lives for your glory and your